Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. So if you could just humor me, if you're watching online today and you have a way to drop in the chat, where are you joining us from today? If it's not in Nashville or from the greater Nashville area, we want to know where you are from, where you're watching from, and then Bliss can like yell at me if there's somewhere really interesting that we're watching from. Um, I'm gonna type in my password. I do this every time I preach, hold on. I can't do it with just one hand. Okay, oh. I keep my mic really, really close, just so you guys know. Lyle keeps his mic like way down here, so they have to turn him up really loud. I keep mine really close. I have proper microphone etiquette, so. <laughs> so, I know, all, see? All of my team in the back is like, thank you very much. Um, Oh, Berlin, Germany. Welcome, Germany. Okay, uh, funny enough, I have a huge heart for Germany. And ever since Lyle and I got married, I've been begging him to take me to just prayer walk Germany somewhere. So maybe we'll come to your neck of the woods at some point. Um, for those of you who might be new with us, I have not actually had the chance to preach since well before quarantine. And I know that we have a lot of new people who are um, with us as a part of Legacy now. So if you don't know me, my name is Allison Phillips. I am Lyle Phillips' wife and uh, co-lead pastor here at Legacy. And I, I love, um, I just love church. I like really love church. I was crying because I um, know that church is not about a building, but like, I feel like the church is to the believer what a home is to a person. You know, we don't need to have a home in order to exist, right? But it's really good when you have one. It's really good to be together. And so I'm grateful for the internet and for online church. And for those of you who are watching uh, while eating your breakfast, I'm a little bit jealous. Um, I have so much stirring in my spirit. I brought a chair up here because I'm probably gonna sit today, but at the same time, I'm kind of excited, so I might stand some as well. So, bear with me. But I have a lot of things swirling around in my heart right now. Like, I, when I was standing worshiping, I was so happy to be um, social distancing worshiping, social distance worshiping next to Seth, um, because I just love the way that my friend Seth worships. I just think your heart before the Lord is really special. And I just, you I get that at home, you know, standing next to Lyle, but you know, Seth doesn't live at my house. So I kind of, I'm glad that we have our leaders in the room, you know, <laughs> bliss knows, um, that we have our leaders in the room just cause I'm like, I love, I love those moments. So I don't know. I have a lot swirling in my heart. Hopefully I'll get through my whole message, but if not, um, you'll get what you need because I believe that the Lord will give you exactly what you need today. What I felt like the Lord was doing was he was lifting heavy weights today. 
One of the things that um, in prayer room, I think it was not this week, but last week that Grace prayed was um, that the Lord was taking backpacks and it's just stuck with me. And I felt like the Lord's like, today is the day to lift some heavy weights off of you. And I feel like he's so ready to bring freedom. We've been all walking around for the last four to six months, like what the heck is going on? And there's nothing wrong with that feeling because I feel that so often, like what the heck is going on, Lord? Um, But I felt like the Lord was just bringing alignment today. And I, I specifically heard that God was going to set some things in motion and then he was going to stop other things in their tracks. And that's what I saw. I saw him pushing forward some things and him like saying no more um, to a couple of other things. And that's going to be, you know, you know what that is. You know what the Lord wants to say. Okay, no more. And what he's like, come on, let's get this thing going about. And I just, I felt this overwhelming sense like God loves you. Like he loves you with an everlasting love, like the love that can't quit, the love that never gives up, the love that just keeps coming. Even when you're like, like my daughter Remy is asleep over here currently, but she she is obsessed with Lyle. There she is, she turned and looked at me. Um, She's obsessed with Lyle, but he like gives her too many kisses where she's like, okay, dad, stop, stop, stop. And I felt like for some of you, this is about to be a season where God like just overwhelms you with his goodness and his kindness. And you're like, stop, God, (laughs) like this is so good. I can't even handle it. And so I feel like this morning is just going to be an invitation into that. Um, I'm continuing on in our conversation that we've been having about family Um, at Legacy. We want to build a family. I have a lot of friends in ministry who've looked me dead in the eye and have said, it's impossible. You can't do it. You'll never be able to build a family. It'll never be healthy. It'll never be what God had intended. You know, there's no way. We're We're too sinful in our nature to get to the good that God has for a family. And, um, I, I'm not like a very, um, combative temperament. I'm actually like very go with the flow. I'm pretty compliant. But when it comes to family, I'm like, watch me. You know, like watch us. Because there's a grace from the Lord for our our house to carry a mandate to build family. And we know that it's not easy, but, you know, nothing great is easy. (laughs) Nothing great is easy. And so I just... I'm really excited to continue the conversation and I'm kind of going to give you uh, what I'm talking about from the get go so that you're like, don't feel like I'm leading you down a, you know, a pathway that you don't know where we're going. So before we do it, let's just pray. Actually, I just, Jesus, open the eyes of our heart. Give us wisdom to see what you see. Give us grace to let go of what you no longer want us to carry and give us peace in the process. Jesus, we love you and we bless you this morning. Amen, amen. You can stay with me, Alex, or you don't have to. It doesn't really, it's chill. You can take a break if you want. You don't have to stay with me if you don't want to. No, you're fine. 
Thanks, Alex. <clears throat> I can't imagine playing piano for that long. I know, he's so nice. He's so nice. Oh. Seriously, what a legend. <laughs> uh, just making you feel awkward on a Sunday morning. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to address this morning what I feel like is the biggest hindrance to building family, if that's okay. <clears throat> I, the title of my message this morning is called The Home Wrecker. Because, I know, not like the really good burrito from, uh, what's that one place, Moe's? No. And I like kind of like debated whether naming it that because I'm like, it's kind of intense. But that's actually how, how intense I think this thing is. It's like the cancer to family, okay? And it's this. Performance. Performance is the antithesis of family. Performance is the thing that feels really good in the moment, but bears zero fruit in the long run. You can tell if you've been performing because you're literally going nowhere doing the same thing over and over and over again. For some of you this morning, it's going to be the thing that God says, I'm putting a stop to this today. No more. You're already loved. You're already affirmed. You're already accepted. And so if you, if you want to, you can turn with me in Matthew chapter 3. Um, my main text is going to be uh, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. But that's, I think that's why I'm seated this morning. One, just because I'm tired, because I, I just had a baby recently. <laughs> but also, um, because I think this is a prophetic act. I was talking with Grace before. She was like, I feel like today, like the sitting is going to be like a prophetic act. And I really believe that. Like, hey, it's, it's okay. You don't have to work that hard. Not for what you already have. I'm not saying you don't have to do some work, okay? But there are some things in the kingdom and, that it, and, and one of those things is sonship that you don't actually have to work for, but it's the wellspring that everything else you do comes from. So if that thing is off, then everything is off. And if that thing is off, none of your fruit is, is edible any longer. It doesn't serve anyone. You might think you're doing a really great job, but you're just, you're just tired, really, at the end of the day. And so today I was like, I'm going to sit down because I'm going to let everyone know it's okay to take a seat sometimes. So, okay, we're going to, in Matthew chapter 3, I gave you plenty of time, so you should be there. Um, verse, starting in verse 16, it says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. I wonder what it would be like to see the Spirit of God. I mean, he was Jesus. I mean, I, I think I always thought, like, oh, looking at Jesus, you would be beholding, you know, the Spirit of God. But he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, 
a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased. Sometimes I get trapped in the idea that my identity is something to be earned. That who I am is dependent upon what I do. Because I really like doing. I mean, I okay, listen, we're in a room full of leaders. Um, not, you know, just, we all probably like to do, you know. We're like, I want to contribute. I want to give uh, some of myself. I know that so many of us as a part of this church are like burning to do something because our mission is we want to love God, love people, change the world. We're like, we're not like half-stepping, okay? We're like all the way, you know, we're not halfway up the mountain people, okay? So oftentimes I find myself thinking that my identity is something that needs to be earned. And this morning I'm just, I just want to invite you to investigate your heart. What areas of your life, your identity, have you convinced yourself have to be earned? What part of you do you feel like is only worthy because of what you do, not because of who God's made you to be? I get trapped as a leader sometimes doing that. I'm like a raging introvert. Anyone else an introvert? You know, I'm an introvert. Nobody else here? Okay, a few people. Yes. All the ones not wanting to raise their hand. <laughs> I'm an introvert. <laughs> I'm like a raging introvert. You, would, you probably wouldn't notice that just if you have an interaction with me because I'm also very passionate about people and making you feel loved and connected and that's just who I am. But I'm like, I, quarantine has been great for me. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I was like, are you ever gonna leave the house? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I just feel a little tired today. I think I just stay home and <laughs> be with my kids. <laughs> So, um, sorry to all the extroverts where quarantine was miserable, but for me, it's been amazing. Um, as a leader, sometimes I feel a lot of pressure to be something completely different than who I am. A lot of pressure. Um, I've, I have been shamed for my rhythm, who I am, how I'm wired. You're not a great leader because you don't want to meet with me for coffee, you know, and I'm like, listen, I'm not Jesus. I'm sure you could figure out how to, you know, get some help through him as well. I've grown a lot <laughs> and I've learned that coffees are very important and connection is supreme. Um, but I, I battle with it. I battle with the temptation. Do I change who I am in order to be more accepted or belong in the place that God has put me? Do I change who I am? Because honestly, it, it would be really easy. The introvert, extrovert thing, like I could just change a couple of things that I do and make people feel really comfortable. And I could sustain that for a time, but I guarantee you like six months in, I'd probably burn out or I'd be not fun to be around. And But there's that constant pull. And especially if I haven't spent a lot of time in the presence of God, I feel that that pull even harder. Like, oh, I, if I could just change this one thing about me, then maybe everything would be easier. And I know there's some of you here, some of you watching online that are like, I, I literally, I feel this every day in my job. I feel this in my family. I feel like I'm the black sheep of the family. I hear that so often. 
Like I feel it's so out of place in the in the realm that God has put me in. Do I just make this one compromise to my identity in order to belong? We, you know, we've all done that. We've all tried to perform in order to gain acceptance, connection, belonging. It's it's just something that we as humans do. And in reading the story of the baptism, I love that story, by the way, because I love that God himself says, Jesus is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And we've all heard it a dozen times. He said that before Jesus did anything, and that's amazing. But like, would you be able to hear that for yourself? Like, would you be able to wake up in the morning and actually hear God say, oh, I'm so pleased with you before you did anything and it not feel like wildly uncomfortable, wildly uncomfortable. We are, we, you know, in America, I know some of you are watching from other places, but in America, we are addicted to performance, addicted to performance. So much so that we, we, because we're so addicted to performance and it's not healthy, we have to utilize shame in order to keep people performing. We have to literally we, we just love telling people when they're not hitting the mark. We just love it. We're like, you're just, you're not doing it the way I like it. So you should feel super bad about that and, and then perform to my standard. And we've gotten used to it. And social media has made it incredibly, uh, unfortunately, uh, palatable. Like somebody, you know, sees differently than I am. Instead of asking a lot of questions, they make a lot of judgmental statements. And we've gotten okay with it because we're so used to doing it to ourselves. It's literally our internal dialogue. It's my internal dialogue. I, if I'm performing, I have to utilize shame in order to keep me performing. But the problem with that is shame and performance will keep you from actually connecting. And you'll wonder why you feel like you're all alone, all the way like out on an island. And the reality is God never meant for you to use shame as a tool to perform well. He's like, it's my kindness that leads you to repentance. It's, It's my affirmation over you that actually leads you to better understanding your identity. Not what somebody else says. It's what I say about you. And when Jesus came up from the water, the very next thing he did is he went into the wilderness. And I find that so true that whenever, whenever the Lord speaks identity over me, it's almost as if I'm coming to a season of testing. I was talking to Lyle about this the other day. I'm like, I'm wondering how much of what's happening is the enemy and how much of this is a holy shaking or, you know, and I know all of it's the Lord's capable of taking with his hand and turning evil and making it good. So praise God for that. But the wilderness never broke Jesus. The three temptations in their wilderness were all about his identity. The enemy said, would you perform for what you already have? That was the question three times. Will you perform for what you already own? Will you perform for what the Father's already given you? Will you perform for what the world thinks is mine? I know it's actually yours, but the world thinks it's mine. So will you, you know, will you humor me and just perform? And Jesus was like, no, I won't. 
I am a son in whom the Father is well pleased. And Jesus really understood that performance cannot replace connection with the Father. He really understood that. And whenever we come into this room or engage with prayer room or get around uh, spirit-filled believers that speak identity, it's almost like a fresh baptism. I, I, encouragement to me is like baptism. It's like, oh, that word of affirmation, like you, you can do anything. You know, there's nothing uh, too, too yucky about you that God can't come and get because he loves you and he cherishes you. It's like what uh, Lyle was talking about several weeks ago about the, the diamond you know, we're not trash. We're diamonds, you know, that God so um, strategically fashions into family. Um, but so oftentimes, as soon as we walk out from those contexts, the onslaught happens. And I don't know why the enemy is, doesn't play fair. It drives me nuts. I'm like a very big justice person. I'm not, I'm not incredibly um, black and white in nature, which is tough when it comes to having a justice bent um, because everyone deserves <laughs> mercy in my family. Everyone, you know, this is what's fair and the enemy is the, you know, the real bad guy. But the enemy doesn't play fair and it drives me nuts because you can be absolutely affirmed in your identity in one moment and he can speak a word in opposition in the next moment. And it's going to sound true. It's going to sound really true. Especially if sometimes it sounds like the voice of people in your life who are supposed to be speaking identity over you. And, you know, the coach or the mom or the absent father who the enemy is so, so craftily likes to disguise his voice as there's a wilderness, there's a testing as you get the baptism. But if we don't believe the affirmation of identity that we receive in the secret place from the father, from one another, we will oftentimes embrace that need to perform. It's like just, it's become something that we just do. It's like, we don't know what else to do. So we just perform. Because the enemy works so hard for you to disbelieve the truth about who you are. He works so hard to convince you that the word that God spoke over you isn't actually the word that's going to come to pass over you. Unbelief is something that I struggle with at times. I pray that prayer, oh, Lord, help my unbelief so often. But the enemy's like, you know, you're not going to get that promotion that the Lord spoke to you about. You're not going to walk in your identity. You know, you're not actually that great. That leader didn't really mean that. Remember when your mom told you that you couldn't do anything well and that you were such a pain in her butt? And, you know, like that, those are the things that come and war against the identity that the Lord speaks over you. But wherever there's unbelief, there's always pressure to perform. And I see that even in the context of the church where there is unbelief, whether that's doctrinally or spiritually, or, you know, there's a need to perform because if we just believed what God said to us and about us, there would be no need to perform for what we knew we already had access to. 
it's always the tactic of the enemy to get you to work for what's already legally yours. So what is yours in Christ Jesus? You know, I want to talk about that. I, I, if performance is, in my book, the antithesis to connection and family, because in performance, you can't actually really see correctly, see each other correctly. What are the truths about building family? And so, you know, if you are taking notes, which you should be, um, here is the <laughs> first truth about family. I'm just kidding. You don't have to take notes, but it's good for your head to remember. Um, here's the first truth that I have found um, about family. The first truth that actually wars against the desire to perform, and it's this. One, you cannot perform for your inheritance. This is the truth. You cannot perform for your inheritance. Trying to work for your inheritance, trying to work for your family position, trying to work for what God's already given to you dishonors what Jesus did for you to receive it for free. There are plenty of things that you have to work for. Um, like wholeness. There's some, there's areas of our life where, yeah, like we're broken and we actually have to take the step towards wholeness. Yeah. We have to work, uh, within the context of relationship to have good relationships. You don't get those for free. Just so you know, just because you exist doesn't mean you get to have perfect relationships. I'm going to follow that bunny trail for a sec. Just because you need good relationships doesn't mean that you get good relationships automatically. Just because you need healthy connection doesn't mean that you get healthy connection automatically. The only perfect connection that you're going to have is between you and the Father, you and the Godhead, but perfection's flowing from him to you. <laughs> Not the other way around. <laughs> There's some stuff that usually, some walls you have to say, okay, I'm, I'm putting that aside. I'm not letting anything come between us. But yeah, just because you need good relationships don't, doesn't mean that you get them automatically. So there's plenty of stuff in life that we got to work for. We got to work on. We got to, you know, go after. But your inheritance in Jesus is not actually one of those things. And whenever you have to, whenever you um, disbelieve the word of God over your life and then have to work for that inheritance, you're saying, okay, Jesus, what you did was absolutely not enough. Um, like you're, you did great, Jesus, but I'll take it from here. Can you imagine the audacity? Can you imagine looking at him on the cross? Can you imagine saying, okay, Jesus, um, I'll take it from here. I'll take it from here. He's like, no, listen, I'm here because I, I gave you this for free. This is yours in Christ Jesus. You have been adopted into a family. You have a place. You have a seat at the table. There's nothing that you can do or not do that will remove that seat from the table. And God makes it so clear that you're a son and a daughter in whom he's well pleased without you doing a single thing. You know, your identity as a member of the family is not based on what you do for the family. If that were true, I'd expect Rua, my two-month-old, to be getting to work already. All right. All right, sis. It's time to start sleeping through the night. It's time. It's time for you to, you know, feed yourself. 
No, right? That's ridiculous. When we think about it in that context, it's ridiculous because her place in the family is secure whether or not she does anything for me. Whether or not, you know, in fact, if she started trying to do something for me, I'd be like, I would freak out because she'd be like an alien baby. Like that's not even normal, right? That's not normal. That's not okay. So why do we so often approach, you know, the family of God in that way. It's like, okay, like I feel really nervous. Like I hope I'm cool enough for this church. I hope that I sing good enough here. I hope that I can like pray good enough in order for somebody to see me and, you know, fit me in. No, like that's not, if you approach the family in that way, that's what you're going to get from the family, right? When you approach the family ready to perform, you're not going to get authentic connection because the only way you can receive family is to receive it for free. Because the only way you can receive your identity as a son or a daughter is to receive it for free. You can't add anything to it. You can't take anything away from it. You just have to receive it. And I understand, listen, that's uncomfortable. I mean, I'm a pastor. You might be in business or a worship leader or a stay-at-home mom or, you know, you, I don't know, play golf professionally. I don't know. But your role, <laughs> listen, it's all, a, it's all a healthy role in the kingdom, all right? If anyone's ever told you that to not be in ministry is to be less than or a lesser, you know, member of the family, they are way off base because we're all ministers to God. We're all priests before the Lord, no matter what we're doing in our day-to-day life. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. You always have a seat at the table. You always have a place in the family. And I feel like in First Corinthians, I don't feel this is scripture. So in First Corinthians, um, I'll kind of jump around uh, verses 12 through 14. Um, but the beginning says, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. Here's the problem. So many of us are saying, because I don't look like this, sound like this, behave like this, then I must not be adequate. I must not be a part of the family. But unfortunately, that does not cease, you know, your position or doesn't stop your position in the family. So all you're doing is creating chaos and it's affecting the whole family. (laughs) You know, like when you decide I'm a hand, but I'd like to be an eye, it affects the family. When you decide I'm really extroverted, but people say I'm too much. So I'm just going to like pull back a bit you're affecting the whole family. It's like what Lyle says, the, if your song isn't being sung, the harmony of the family is off. If you're not walking in your identity, the song of the family is off. I want you to sing your part. I want you to play your part. I want you to, to live fully as God had intended you to live because it's not doing the body any favors by you shrinking, you know, like by you shrinking back and saying, I'll just... I'll play it safe today. I want to belong. Um, you're not actually creating a sense of belonging for the whole. You're just, you know, being the hand that wants to be an eye. And I so desperately need you to be a hand. The Lord so desperately loves when you're a hand. And I think there's something so um, interesting that the, the enemy does. So often, if he can't convince you to completely abdicate from the family or remove yourself from the fellowship of believers, he'll just convince you that you're an inconvenience. That you're full on inconvenience. You're too young. You're too loud. You're too quiet. You sing off key. You're too old. You're not cool enough. You don't dress cool enough. He'll just 
try to convince you that you're an inconvenience and that nobody really wants the real you to show up. But I'm here to tell you that you cannot perform for your inheritance. You just have to receive it. You have to understand that how God's fashioned you is yours to receive for free. And there's nothing that you can do or not do that will take away that opportunity for you to receive fully your, inher- your inheritance. So what you do doesn't get to determine who you are. At Legacy Nashville, what you do does not determine who you are. I want to see you as God sees you in the fullness of who you are, in all of your mess, in all of your glory. What you do is a byproduct of who you are. Only God's words of affirmation over you get to determine who you are. Full stop. I find it very uncomfortable when I'm around someone who's really settled in their identity and they feel no pressure to work for anything. Anyone else feel super uncomfortable? I'm like, you really don't feel like you have to like cover that thing up or work that hard for that? I feel so uncomfortable. But the reality, <laughs> the reality is people who have their identity settled are willing to be fully known. And that leads me to the second truth about building family, which is this. You cannot social distance your way into connection. (gasps) Oh, okay, listen, social distance. Like, be physically distant. Listen, we're trying to crush the Rona. It's fine. But socially distancing, it's fine, okay? Um, But social, I had to drop it in there because it's culturally relevant right now. But you cannot social distance your way into connection. You cannot remain distant and mysterious to people and expect to cultivate family. Family connections are that up close, raw, foot washing, you know, that whole situation. That is family, right? It's the up close thing. Remember, um, in heaven, all things will be known. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, now I know in part, here on earth I know in part, then in eternity I shall know fully even as I am fully known. Meaning that in heaven, you you don't have to work out this identity stuff. You're not going to be questioning whether or not you're a son or a daughter. You're just going to be singing before the king of kings for all of eternity, knowing exactly your place in the family, right? So in heaven, all things are going to be known as you're fully known. And if the kingdom of heaven its best reflection is family, then you have to anticipate that God's inviting you into the type of connection where you need to be fully known. You can't think that you're going to perform your way wearing a mask, pretending, and be fully known. Consider Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood in front of the people he leads. That's being fully known. Or the prostitute who breaks, you know, the oil over Jesus' feet, literally draping her hair on his feet to wash his feet in front of all of these men. And she's like, I don't care. I just want to be known. I just want to know him. I just want to be known. Or even Jesus in the wilderness. I feel like so kindred spirits with him in this way where I can't imagine after 40 days, Jesus was at his best. Probably wasn't like, 
I could perform at 100%, right? He was so vulnerable. Have you ever gone 40 days without eating food? I have not. I've gone like two days, and I'm the worst. <laughs> so, so I can imagine after 40 days, Jesus wasn't like feeling all of the physical you know, strength to perform. He allowed himself to be made vulnerable. We say things so often when we come into church, if people really knew who I was, they would never let me lead worship. If people really knew who I was, they'd never let me serve on the welcome home team. If people really knew who I was, they probably wouldn't even let me come to this church. I'm so glad they have online church because if they knew how much of a mess I was, they would never even let me set foot in the building. But the truth is when your identity is settled and you believe God's word over your life, you make space for other people to experience family because to be fully known is contagious. That's why I'm like, I get uncomfortable around people who are like, don't feel any pressure to perform and are just like, here I am, like know the real me. And I'm like so jealous of the kind of connections they get to steward. And I'm like, I got to try that. And so in, you know, in certain seasons of my life, I just like let myself be laid bare. I'm like, I don't have it all together. I'm like repenting to my team every 10 minutes because I'm like, I totally did that thing wrong. I'm so sorry. Why? Because there is a, there's a permission that you give to other people when you are vulnerable before them. There's a permission that you give to others when you lead with your heart open wide, refusing to perform, saying, I'm going to get close enough to you to let you know the real me. You could reject me, but because my identity is settled, I'm actually okay with that. Ouch, but I'm actually okay with that because you don't actually have to tell me who I am. Because family only works when they don't have to tell you who you are. When God tells you who you are, you can be the fullness of you within the context of connection and family. You have to bounce around when you feel the need to perform. And I see that happen so often in church, the need to bounce from house to house because I can't let myself be fully known if they knew who I really was. I want us to be a family that's like when someone comes to the door and they're like, if you knew who I really was, you're just like, stop. I don't care. I love you. You're welcome here. If we really want to cultivate a family, you have to get aggressive with what inside of you feels the need to be mysterious to other people. And I'm not saying you have to be known by everyone, but if the people that you want to be connected to, you feel the need to like hide with, like you should do some inventory. If I'm in, you know, in connection with Lyle or my closest friends, if I'm like, I want to be mysterious, like you got to let go of that thing in order to have the kind of life-giving relationships that we're all looking for. And in order to walk in kingdom family, we must let those around us know that there's just nothing they can, that we could learn about them that would make us not love them. You know, it's just like, I tell people all the time, there's nothing you can tell me that will surprise me. I've heard it all. I've literally heard it all. There's nothing you could tell me that would surprise me. There's some things that you could tell me that I'm like, let's find some counseling. But there's nothing you, I have a counselor, big whoop, okay? You know, like that, right? It's not the worst thing in the world to get healing. And not the worst thing in the world to get whole. So why are we hiding, you know? But it's because as a church, notoriously, in my opinion, we've made it so performance-oriented and hoped that we would get family on the other side of it, and it just won't happen. 
it just can't happen. It's never going to happen. It's, it's, you know, it's just never going to happen. So here's the third truth uh, about building family. Alex, you can come back now so that people know that I'm closing. Uh, <laughs> you get nervous. Here's the third truth about building family. And this is something that we say so often here at Legacy, but it's going to become a, a more foundational truth and pillar of truth in our family. And it's this. Family starts with you. If you come from a broken family, please get help. Like, please get help, you know, lean in. But don't let that be an excuse as to why you cannot belong to a healthy family. Family starts with you. At some point, someone in your family line found Jesus. And it might be you. You might be the one that found Jesus in your family. And you're, you know, you're waiting for the rest of them to come along. But there was somebody that took responsibility for the whole and said, it's going to start here and it's going to start with me and I'm not going to let this continue on on my watch. I'm not going to let divorce continue on on my watch. I'm not going to let fatherlessness continue on on my watch. This stops with me. It ends here. Some of you, that thing at the beginning that I said, God's going to push into motion. He's going to stop. You're the stop. Some of you, God's like, I'm placing you as the stop. Because family starts with you. It's time to give up those old patterns of performance. We all have them. We all feel the need to perform. Um, But let me, as the mom of this house, let you know, your performance isn't doing you any favors. It's not helping you to build here what you really want to experience, which is a family. It's not helping you to lead the people God's called you to lead shepherd and disciple well because for family to start with you you have to get raw you have to get honest you have to get vulnerable even if that's raw unto I need some help I need some healing I need God to touch me in this part of my life I'm not going to pretend like I have it all together because what's at stake is too much and what is at stake is the kingdom of heaven being manifest here on earth that's what's at stake. The reason why we chose family was not because we, you know, thought it was a catchy slogan. Listen, we tried to run away from it for so long. But the reality is the kingdom of heaven breaks open in the context of a family. And let me prove that to you in, with Romans 8 verse 19, which is this. For the creation waits. Creation. All of this. Everything waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Not the slaves, not the employees, not the good performers, not those who get it all right all the time, not the one that obey perfectly every single time, but the sons and daughters of God. Creation is waiting for you to know who you are so that you can actually invite the world into a heaven experience an encounter with the presence of God it's the it's all at stake your identity not being settled your desire to perform it's all at stake and if we cannot let go long enough to say I'm willing to hurt a little in order to experience the goodness the fullness of family then we're going to stay stuck and I don't want us to stay stuck I've felt that. I have felt stuck. 
I felt stuck at times in this season of quarantine. I felt stuck trying to make a decision as to whether to have people in the building or not. I have felt stuck trying to lead a family into an expression of church that I've never seen before. But here's what I know. Family starts with me, which is why when someone looks at me in the eyes and says, I don't know if it can be done, I'm like, watch me. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of responsibility we have to take because the kingdom is at stake. And people coming into the kingdom are, are, their lives are hanging in the balance. And if you let's just stand, uh, even if you're at home there, I know there's someone watching online right now who you're like, I, if I could be a part of a family, it would make all the difference. If I could be a part of something that challenged me into my purpose, it would make all of the difference. And I'm here to say that Jesus paid a price so that we could experience connection so deep that our soul is satisfied. I'm not just, I'm happy all the time, but I am satisfied in the good seasons and the bad seasons because the depth of who I am is connected to the one that made me. And so I just want us to take a moment and I just want to make an invitation. If you're watching online, if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, but you would like to have a relationship with him, he's extending his hand this morning. So I'm just going to pray. Jesus, you know where the lost sheep are. You know where those looking for a family and looking for a community are. Will you just go get them? He's coming for you. He sees you. He wants you. He loves you. And this morning, I just pray right now that every motive to perform for what is already ours in Christ Jesus, our sonship, would just drop to the floor in the name of Jesus. That every shame-filled motive would just drop to the floor. That, Lord, you would show us what we need to actually pour our lives into. (laughs) Our identity is already settled. We're yours. God, give us the tools to see Nashville set on fire, to see Germany set on fire, to see California set on fire. God, we don't want to waste our time working for what we already have. We want to know what we have in you and go after the lost. Go after those who are looking for a family. Go after those who are looking for a home. Jesus, settle in us. We are yours. Only you get to tell us who we are. We reject every word that's not from you in the name of Jesus. You are a son. You are a daughter who is well loved by the Father. And Lord, we just pray right now that you would cover the, the seed of today, that every seed that was sown would bear fruit. Jesus, we love you and we bless you. 
I thank you for church in all of its many forms. I'm so grateful. We love you. We bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.